Good morning and welcome to Grace Life Church. We're in Jemison, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we hope you'll stop by. We're on the way to somewhere. You may not be coming here, but you're on the way. But if, you, if you're ever in what we call our neck of the woods, we'll always be thrilled to be a part, come be part of our service here. So I want to say good morning to all of you once again. Thank you for being here this morning. We're going to have a great time. This is the day. That the, who made it? Oh, the Lord made it. And he said we can do what? You know, in Philippians, Paul said rejoice in the Lord. And again, I said rejoice. I never knew why he did that twice until I pastored. Because you say something, they'd look at you like, oh, that's why Paul kept on saying rejoice. No, I said rejoice in the Lord. And so we, <clears throat> we're, we're happy. We're blessed. Everything's working. Everything, everything in your life. Now, listen, everything in your life is turning out amazing. And if it's not amazing yet, it's still turning. Because it's turning out amazing. So we welcome you, those of you watching with us live at Facebook and uh, or be watching at a later time. And, the, and uh, church members that are watching and uh, guests, thank you for being a part of our service here this morning. It is our great pleasure this morning to have a, a representative of Karis Bible College. That's in Colorado Springs, Colorado. How, how many know who Andrew Womack is? Where the rest of y'all live? Anyone ever heard of Andrew Womack? Hallelujah. Well, if, if you get a TV or well, you can get them on your phone, uh, life changing. It'll change your life, change your whole life. And uh, we're fortunate this morning to have uh, uh, students who are presently students at Karis Bible College. And, uh, and I won't get into that. Uh, Brother Jacob's going to tell that, that story. So uh, I want to introduce Brother Jacob. And uh, Bianca, will you come so that I can just see you? Because we, he's a good fellow, and I don't know. I don't know what a good-looking man looks like. I never saw him, <laughs> but she, she probably thinks so. Oh yeah, yeah, I believe so. But they're directors of Nations Arise. Y'all give them a big hand. Yeah. Thank you so much. They got a, a wonderful story, and we we'll look forward to one day hearing more about their story. And uh, y'all come preach for us when you're oh, yes. when you're coming back from you know where. We won't get into that either. But anyway, uh, but anyway, they're from Nations Arise, and they're here this morning, and uh, they're going to take charge at this place and just bless us. Yes, thank you, Pastor. We're just so grateful to be here. Um, yeah, this is my lovely wife, Bianca. Um, we. We have the privilege of doing missions together. Um, you know, um, we are Karis grads. We graduated in 2017, and we just hit the ground running. We were just, you know, they have a third year in Karis, but we were just so hungry and ready that we couldn't wait. So we just, we hit the ground running. We, we, we launched Nations Arise Ministries within our church, and, um, you know, we're just, uh, we, we're believers in the local body. And so we, we believe in keeping missions uh, a part of a local body, and it has just thrived because of that. And so we are just uh, excited to be here with you. Uh, you have a beautiful church. We love your pastors, Eric and Michelle. They have just been so gracious to us, and um, we're just, uh, you know, we hope to see you soon. Um, I'll share more about uh, Would you like to share something before I go on? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> He always, whenever he says that, I'm always like, yes, I will always welcome any opportunity. But I just want, 
I'm, I'm just thankful to be here. You know, we met uh, your pastors the other day uh, through Miss Susan over here, and uh, she went to Karis with us as well in 2017. We were the first graduating class of Birmingham, so that was exciting. And, um, you know, it was always in our hearts to want to be able to host teams and, and bring the, and, and also just uh, be able to uh, go to churches, the local body, and just um, connect with each other. You know, we are, we are uh, as the body of Christ, I feel like, you know, we need to have that unity. You know, the world doesn't see unity, but we can show them. We can be an example of unity to the world. And, you know, they're going to see, I believe, that even with this church, with other churches, as you, as you connect, as we meet, you know, as we, we have this relationship and as we meet with other pastors, we're going to have, uh, we're going to be that example to the world of, of unity. And people are going to, you know, people need that. So I believe that people are going to come because they see the example. They see Jesus in us, and they, that's what the world needs what the world wants so we're just excited to be here you're gonna be so blessed uh, you're blessing us by allowing us to be here and for us to just to be able to fellowship with you is just a blessing so thank you so much and uh, looking forward to uh, what everybody else has to share praise God thank you amen um, I do before I turn it over to the students I just wanted to say this uh, just share a little bit about Nations Arise just so you know us uh, I feel like this is just beginning of a relationship so there'll be more time to get to know each other you know over time but basically uh, we launched Nations Arise Ministries in 2019 and uh, it's a missions organization and it's dedicated to reaching the lost you know whether it's local or around the world and so in 2019 uh, Part of the vision that the Lord placed in the heart was to build schools. And so we build schools around the world. And the first school, we, we launched it in 2019 in Morelia, Mexico. And uh, right away, it just took off. And so we had like 75 kids the first year. And so they, they, they hear about Jesus on a regular basis. And uh, so, um, and we feed them and we teach them values. Uh, but part of that vision was as these kids grow up, They'll be the ones that'll be the pastors and the leaders in their community. And you know what? We didn't know it at the time, but it's so effective. So what this has done is open the door for all types of ministry for us. So we have influence in Morelia, Mexico, because we sh have shown our love to their children. And so when we go down there and we take mission teams down there, it's like they want us in their churches. They want us in their homes. They want us in their communities. And I mean... We can't even get to all these places because we just, you know, we're being pulled in a thousand directions, but it's the Holy Spirit moving on their hearts. And so uh, it's just, you know what, we're not that smart to figure this out. But God, he had it planned, and he just put a word in our heart, and we did it. And so here we are, you know, three years later. So actually, this is our fourth year as an organization. We have a partner school in Honduras. We're, we're building a school in Liberia, Africa this year. And uh, we, we partner with a school in uh, an orphanage in Myanmar. That's a relationship building right now, but we're eventually going to build a school there too. I really believe that. So that's what we do as a missions organization, but we have not forgot about our backyard. We're actually, we bought a commercial food trailer uh, for like 40 something thousand dollars. Uh, and we're going to take that food trailer around different parts of Birmingham on a systematic, you know, you know, uh, like a same date every month so people know we're coming and we're going to have church but we're going to feed them hot food and we're going to minister the love of God to people around Birmingham so that's what we're doing as an organization uh, but one of the things that we wanted to do also is to, to host care teams we used to be care students and we went we were we were these care students uh, about five years ago 
And uh, now we're hosting Karis teams. We, ha- we have three teams this year that we're hosting in our first year, and it's just been a blessing, and we've just been so um, – just so thankful, you know, to, to be a small part of what Karis does uh, because we've been so impacted by it and it's changed our lives. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I know this church knows about grace and the power of grace. You know, when I, when I was born again in an early age, I've been a Christian my whole life, but I lived a defeated life. And that God doesn't want that. I lived a defeated life for all those years. And I, uh, I think it was, I was 25 years old when I learned about grace. And God didn't mean, mean for that to happen. I was just in religion. And when, God, when someone spoke the word of grace to me, it set me free. It set me free because I'd been condemning myself. I'd try to live for God out of my own strength, and I'd fail every time, and I'd give up. And I'd, I'd, get, I'd get born again again. And then I'd go through that same thing over and over again, these cycles of trying to live for God and fail. And then I heard about the grace of God. Oh, man. And I learned that I was more than a conqueror in Christ. And I started living for him because of the power that lived in me. Amen. And I realized that I was a child of God, that I was forgiven. Amen. And that's what caused me to overcome. Now look at us because of grace, what it did in our lives. And that will do the same thing in everybody's life. Amen. Praise God. So it's, uh, you know, it's my privilege and honor to introduce Lisa and Antrenay. Antrenay is going to bring a testimony of hers, and then Lisa is going to share the message this morning. So if you would come on up, Antrenay, and just share what's on your heart. Thank you. All right. Can you hear me now? Yes, ma'am. All right. All right. I just want to say thank you for allowing us to come here and speak. It's a privilege. And you guys are so hospitable. Now, I'm from Cincinnati, but I tend to have an accent sometimes. <laughs> you know, my family is from Mississippi, so I'm believing that's where it comes from. So a lot of people in Cincinnati will ask me, are you from the South? I'm like, no. What do you mean? I don't know. Anyway. Um, but you know what? When we walked in, God just, uh, he speaks to me sometimes, you know. And um, lately, he's been saying you need to actually say what I'm speaking to you. You know, that's how things get changed. So, and this has just been when we've been in Alabama. There's a shift going on. on. There's a shaking going on, not just in Alabama. But when we were um, at the other church, I noticed it. that location and along with this location and many in this area will be part of this big change, this big shift that we're going into this new season. And he was just showing me, he led me to First Chronicles um, chapter 28, verse 20 through 21, where David was blessing Solomon. And he says, be courageous, excuse me, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God, even my God is with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until all of the work for the service of this house of the Lord is finished. And then verse 21 says, 
and, and behold the divisions of the priests and the, the Levites for all the service of the house of the Lord. And with you, all of the work will be very, excuse me, will be very willing man who has skill for any kind of service. Also the officers and all the people will be holy at your command. But that's what he revealed to me. Actually, I thought it was for the house yesterday. He actually gave me that word yesterday. I'm like, I didn't have an opportunity to say it. I'm like, Lord, that was a strong word. But I believe it's for this house. You guys are coming into a new season, but need the manpower to go out there. But he's saying he already got it. You got your people that you need. You guys are equipping yourselves and allowing that door to be open to what he is doing, you know, for that shift to take place. And you allowing that willingness for him to bless you and this area, this state, the nations. So that's for you guys. Um, So again, my name is Antrene Saunders. I am a second year CARE student. Um, I started off part-time, but I'll go through that in my testimony. So um, I was introduced to Christ when I was about five or six. Well, my mom took me to church when I was younger, and I really don't remember that. But my great-grandmother, she was the main one that took me and my siblings back and forth to, to church. And from that, from that time, you know, God gets us when we're, we're, even before we were born. You know, he calls us before we're born. And I had a hunger for God at that, at that time. And, but things happen in our, in our family. I won't go into detail, but things that had me question my identity, you know, my purpose. I didn't know who I was, you know, but I went searching, searching in relationships, searching in recreational drugs, you know, just questioning, you know, wanting to be accepted, wanting that love from God. You know, years went on, years went on. And throughout high school, you know, God's just impressing upon me, you know, more of him, more of him. So um, it wasn't until I graduated, almost when I graduated, I started going back to to church and um, joined the choir, whatever, and, you know, rededicated my life. And God's just, you know, he's pressing upon me, but there was just still this wall there. It was just like, I was not acceptable to everyone else because of that shame that I carried from the incidents that happened when I was a child. So that carried with me. And I'm just like, people are just, you know, prophesying over me, saying all these things, and I'm believing it, taking it. But it's just like, it just went, I'm taking it in, but it's, it, you know, releasing it at the same time because of this, this shame that's just, that was before me. So, you know, and that was basically, you know, religion. I developed religion in my family. There's a lot of women, strong-willed women. God bless them. But it wasn't intimate. Our family, is, it still isn't. But it wasn't, you know, I knew there was more. I knew God had more for me. So still, you know, even though I'm in church, still I'm in relationships and thinking that God, well, the enemy put a lie, a perverted lie in my mind that being in relationships would actually be ministering the work of, of Christ to men. Because in my mind, I need, I'm, my father wasn't involved in my life either. So I'm thinking being involved with this man was doing the will of the father. 
which was very perverted, but you know, that's how the enemy does, he twists things. So, you know, I'm going on, still ministering, but that hurt's still there, that hurt's still there, singing, still ministering, but just hurt, no change, nothing. And it's just like just being very dissatisfied, you know, thinking about quitting all the time. It's like, this is not it, Lord, there's more. So, you know, I decided to move to Tennessee and start over, you know, and uh, went to church. And then shortly after joining the church, I met my ex-husband. Um, and then we were doing what we were doing, ended up getting pregnant. And um, at that time I was in um, like the new development classes for like new members or whatever. And they introduced a book by Andrew Walmack, Believer's Authority. And I read it and I'm like, this is interesting. This is something that I've never heard before. You know, I hear a lot of people saying their first, you know, encounter with him that was on TV and he was a little boring. But it's like, yeah. You know, but I'm reading the book, I'm just like, I'm hooked. So he, he got me. So regardless if he's boring or not, I'm so, it's just like, so, but even, even though that sparked something, some interest in me, um, that wall was still there, that religious legalism wall, performance, you know, so I'm still going through the motions and I still got this, this issue, this shame, basically my God, you know, I'm holding on to this. I'm wanting everything God is offering me, but I'm still holding on to this very thing that's in the way from him blessing me, not just me, but operating through me, you know. He's given me all these dreams and, you know, prophetic words. And it's just like, Lord, why can't I do this? Well, for many reasons, I wasn't actually stepping out and doing what he wanted me to do. It was fear, you know, fear of if I let go of this, then what? Because my purpose was wrapped up in, okay, you know, getting married, having a husband, having a family because I didn't have that. My identity was wrapped up in that. And if I let that go, because I already had trust issues, if I let that go, then what? I don't really trust you, God. Are you like men that use me? Are you like men that I know what your word says, but say one thing and do another? So that impression was still there. God's still pressing on my heart. Um, so over time, I ended up going back and forth from Tennessee to Ohio. Ended up marrying my husband, <clears throat> my ex-husband. And um, just during that time, I'm like, okay, I got married now. I got my, my husband, all right. And it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, as far as what I perceived what a marriage should look like. It was all wrong, totally wrong. And I felt so bad. I'm like, you know, and you, 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 you tell people like, okay, you're about to do something and they give you advice. I was just, it was a wall there. You're not about to tell me that I can't have this. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life, you know? So I get married and um, it didn't go too well. Um, he had his issues that he was dealing with because you know we attract people that deal with similar issues that we are facing. So he's dealing with stuff, I'm dealing with stuff. We're not in agreement. 
So I'm just like, with me, I'm out of here. Just like, Lord, this is not you, you know? And at that time we were actually homeless. So I ended up leaving the place that I was, well, I had my own apartment. We had three kids at the time before we got married. And um, left my apartment to go live from house to house to house with him. Because I believed in him. I still do. But it was just like, that wasn't, that wasn't the time, you know? But anyway, so I left him and I ended up going to nursing school. But I, as far as like Karis, I, I found out about Karis over that time as well. And I'm like, oh, Lord, just procrastination. I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, just keep putting it on the back burner. I'll do it. You know, but God's saying right now is the time you need to do it right now. Just like in Hebrews um, chapter 11, verse one. Right now, faith is. Right now, faith is. So not in 10 years. God said, go now. What, what's stopping you? So if he's supposed to be our provider, he's supposed to be a provider in every area of our life and financially. And that, that was an area that I struggled with, with fi- was with finances. If I can get it myself, I know I'm secure because I need the security. I need to make sure I was good, you know, me and my kids. I can't just keep going out and doing whatever. So um, I decided after coming back, going back to Ohio to sign up for CARES. And, you know, it was great. It was great. But still dealing with the, you know, the identity thing, the religion thing. I'm just like, what is this? So it's just like I'm reading scripture. I'm reading it. But I'm not really, it's not affecting me like I'm seeing it affecting Andrew. So I'm just, li- I'm just listening and taking it in, what he's saying. You know, taking in scripture, memorizing scripture. But it's just like, there's still something missing. And it wasn't until recently, you talk about grace, God's love, God's unconditional love. I'm like, you know, I know God loves me. But it's like, you really don't, you really don't know him. You know about him. You know what he can do for you. And that's what you've been seeking. But you don't really have an intimate relationship with him. So I'm thinking to myself, what does that look like? Because I, I didn't have a father, so I didn't have an example to look to. You know, I desired that. That desire was always there, and that desire was for him the entire time. And I didn't know it. So t- learning about Grace, Carrie Pickett, God bless her. The love of God. Carrie Pickett, she's an instructor um, in Karis. She's in Colorado, the main campus. But she explains the love of God so well. And then her going through that whole thing, because a, a lot of us go through the whole religion and legalism thing, the performance, making sure you get the work done. You know, we gotta, you know, we gotta do the work, but our work should be based on faith, faith of what God said to do, not just the work, but it's just that faith going out and saying the work is complete already. We don't have to do anything to actually get us, get him to love us anymore. Even if we decide not to go out and what serve, go out to minister, God still loves us. And that is nothing compared like human love. (laughs) Because you know, with one another, we gotta work with one another and it's expectation. It's just like, it should be a team effort, you know, with us being around each other. But then one minute, well, at least in my family, 
uh, people that I've been around that cuss you out and then love you the next minute. Cuss you out, and then it's just like, this bipolar. I'm like, can't handle it, you know? And then I, I develop those same tendencies, even with my children, and I get frustrated. It's like, Lord God, it's just like, I can't do this anymore. What is this? Learn behaviors, basically. So you just got to unlearn that. But I'll unlearn, I'm unlearning it because I haven't arrived yet. I've left. <laughs> but I, I haven't arrived. But I'm glad where I am because just, you know, the, the ministers, the same scriptures that I've learned in the past, I come back to it and see it in a different light. It's like, wow. You know, the light bulb actually comes on. It's just like, I don't have to do anything for you to actually, I don't really have to do, you know, minister. I can just sit here for the rest of my life and you still love me. That wouldn't be good, you know, hygienically, you know, just to sit, not taking a bath, not eating, obviously your parish, you know, but it's just like, we have a work to do. But okay, so get back to Kara. So. 2018 is when I decided to join CARES. I moved in with my mother after I left him. So I was pregnant, went through nursing school, decided to go to CARES. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in there, I'm starting. So, you know, over time, God has just shown me areas where he wants to work on me with. And it's mainly with intimate relationships. So like with you guys, I can share a lot of things and I used, in the past, I would just open up about a lot of personal stuff that I wouldn't tell people that were close to me. Because in my mind, it's like, I'm not going to see you anymore. So I don't have to deal with you. <laughs> I don't have to deal with the judgment or anything that you might say about me. It's, you know. That's right. But that's not where he wanted me to be. Because he wants us, he knows all those intimate things about me. And I don't feel ashamed when he knows it. So I shouldn't be, feel shame when I'm talking to my sister. I should be, you know, feel confident, you know, and that's what we developed in Karis. You know, people in the world, obviously, they got to work on it, but that reaction, that rejection, even if somebody does, you know, talk about me or say something about me, I know that's not who I am anymore. <laughs> I know who I am now, you know, and I know who my father is, and I know that my parents are actually supposed to be an example to show me who created me. You know, That's right. Good. so in Karis, you know, they're teaching us all these things. And when it comes up to what the missions trip, God is just like, OK, Antoinette, you got, you know, these are more areas you need to work on and he won't give you more than you can handle. You know, and I know a lot of people in here have struggles, but it's like work on one thing at a time. For me, it was like I need to do everything. <laughs> and you, you see. A, and then you look all the way down to Z. You don't want to go through the process from A to B. I mean, A through Z. I want to go from A to Z. I want just everything. Don't have to go through the process because it's painful. You know, it's a struggle. Being in this flesh, you know, having our own will, and that's what my struggle was. I've been very stubborn, and that's what's been holding me up because God has shown me so many things, and so many people have passed, you know, and then what I mean by that have died and God has given me something for him for them and I didn't do it you know and that that breaks my heart and it's just like I can't let another individual go on pass me by somebody I mean because sometimes I just think it's me anytime he wants me to release a word 
because I have a lot of thoughts going up here. I have a, I'm a mother of five, so <laughs> mommy's thinking about a lot of stuff. So it's just like, you know, is that just me? But learning that God, through his word, he will minister to us. Through the inward witness, he will minister to us. But we got to know his voice, you know, because sometimes we can get distracted with good things, which God did not tell us to do. And that's what I went back and forth about. This is good. You know, I can do this. I'm, you know, a little talented in this area. This would be good because it's something that the kingdom needs or this house or wherever I'm at, wherever I'm at needs, you know, but it's still not from God. So I'm learning to listen to his inward voice, the, in, the inward witness, and also through our brothers and sisters. He can give someone a word that someone needs as far as encouragement, you know. But if we don't act on that, you know, somebody can go down a detour, a detour that they didn't need to go on because you weren't willing to go out and, you know, be a witness to them, be obedient. So that's where I am. But with the missions trip, that was another struggle as far as finances. I'm just like, Lord, I have a lot to save, but it's just like you called us to be disciples. And that means students, basically students of the word. In Matthew chapter 28, he gave the commission. Well, it's actually Mark, but in 20, Matthew 28, he also told them to go out and make disciples of all nations. And he didn't say what exactly you'll be doing, because when I thought of that, I'm thinking a, a preacher, the fivefold. But he just said, go out and make disciples, students of the word. He didn't say that what occupation they will hold or what title in the kingdom. You know, we're all disciples doing different things in the body. You know, each and every individual has a part to help, you know, and I had to understand that, you know, because I'm always thinking like, I don't want to be a pastor's wife. No, I'm independent. You know, that's me. I grew up like that, independent. It was just women. This was a cycle, fatherless homes, the women just raising the children. That went on for like four generations, you know, and that's one thing that I feared. And that's one thing that... I'm currently facing, but will not in the future, because I do desire to get married again. But the very thing that I feared, like Job, came, because I kept thinking about that. I need to get married because I don't want my children not to have a father. And here I am. And their father is not involved like he should be. But it's just like, okay, what are the necessary steps that I need to take to break this thing? I'm already committing myself to you, Father God. So that was step one. So that curse is broken. But in the practical, as far as relationships, that was another, well, that was the main area, but that was the main area where I struggled was with intimate relationships. I didn't have that. I didn't know how to do it. I knew how to, you know, be with you for a minute and then go. Sow into you, take from you what I needed and then go, but not continue that, the consistency and what it looked like. So, Lost my point. Um, well, God has just shown me that as far as consistency in relationships and helping me and teaching me how to grow in that. And Karis has helped me with that. And this missions trip has helped me with that, being with P. 
people that I normally wouldn't stay the night with, you know? <laughs> and it's just like, Lord, I can do this. <laughs> I can do this, you know? But letting that go, getting out of my comfort zone, and I was ministering to another student um, about some issues that he had. I'll just share a little bit his testimony because he's already shared it. But one of the, when the, the students were praying over us, someone came to him and was, was about to pray, but instead poked him in his rib. Like, what is that about? Well, is something, you know, something going on here? And he, the, the guy didn't know that his father used to do that to him. And his, he didn't have his father in his life at a young age, you know. And that was a sensitive area to him. And he's like, God, you're really moving on me right now. That was something he was not open to share. He held that within, you know. And that was the same thing with me, with this, the shame, with the guilt. I held that in. I didn't want to share that. I didn't want to give that. It's like, no, that, that's mine. Nobody can touch that. And God's saying, I need that. You need to give me Give me that. And the same with him. I was, I, I was impressed to minister to him about that. I'm like, you know what? I've been, you know, opening up more about things that I was ashamed about, things that I thought I couldn't get to the point in even talking about without crying, you know. I'm like, but that shame is gone. You know, when we discover who we were in God and how much he loves us, you know, is that love, that you're not an orphan. That's right. You know, you are the daughters and sons of the one that created the earth. And the thing is, trying to get out of our mindsets what the world has taught us, which, was, which are lies. You know, the world don't know him, so why are we taking advice from the world? <laughs> He's time and time and time again has revealed himself. You, you'll pray something, like with Lisa, you know, little love nuggets. The other day, we were at uh, the caverns, and uh, she bought some, a variety of different cookies, and we were sitting down for lunch, and uh, I'm like, you know, if you, you know, you want to know something that I really like that you want to give me, um, I like chocolate chip cookies and ice cream. That is my favorite. And she's like, <laughs> she said, you know what? I went to the gift shop and guess what I got? A chocolate chip cookie. And she said, I wasn't going to eat this. She was just like asking God, who, who can I give this to? And I'm like, it's mine. So <laughs> little nuggets. And that's what I learned from Carrie Pickett. Um, the, the, some of the um, classes that she teaches, it really focuses on God's love for you. And she was telling a story about um, how some, it was someone in her family would always find dimes. And they knew that that was God's way of showing them how much they love them. And God told her, why won't you ask me to leave dimes for you everywhere? So she would find dimes and ran, I mean, just everywhere that she would go. Dime was in her Bible and she was teaching a class and said, who left this up here? And they're looking at her like she's crazy. Like, uh, we don't know, but little, little instances, little things like that 
doesn't have to be significant. That God, that if you ask God, he will do it. Just how much do you love me? And he'll show you. You know, but we got to stay in that mindset. Because I know with me, I can get distracted real quick with five kids working as a nurse full time and then going to school. You know, people say that's a lot. I'm like, it really isn't. But because I see people do a lot more than that. But it's just how we think what we can handle. It's just like, no, I don't have time for that. I got to watch my soap operas. That's my time. But it's just like, um, you know, what's your priority? How is that feeding you? But the desires that you used to have, you won't have desires for those things anymore. And your desire will begin to be, I want to serve the Lord. I want to do the things that is pleasing to God and not to my flesh. You know, instant gratification. That even comes to eating chocolate chip cookies all the time. It's just like sometimes I got to back up on that. But it's just like little things that we enjoy on the earth. God will give that to us. And then through that, we can see God really does care about us. But in this season, and I'll end with this, in this season, I really believe that God wants us to to just share that love. And all through this whole missions trip, we've been hearing, and at least I've been observing, that that's what the ministers have been talking about. That's how, what all of the students have been talking about, authority in Christ, our identity in Christ, how much God loves you, because that's where it starts. You know, it was, let me think, I think it was in Luke where um, he sent out his disciples, it was about 70 of them. And they came back and was like, Lord, even the demons, you know, were subject to, you know, to us in your name. He's like, don't rejoice over that. Rejoice that your book is in the book of life. You know, you got ministers that will go out and do all these signs and wonders, but don't even know the Lord. It's like, that's not, that's not the whole purpose, the whole purpose of this connection, this relationship is for you to get to know him. And with that comes these signs and wonders. The reason that we want to get to know God is not what he has for us, but what what he is to us. You know, and that's what I had to learn. And even going through the motions of everyday life. You you just get so busy with things and you tend to forget. And we know in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they always forgot about the things that God did for them. I don't know how many times. And I'm like, goodness, wouldn't they finally get the, you know, get the hint? Why do they keep going back and doing just stupid stuff over and over again? But it's just like he said, to remember it, we have to purposely remember. So I started writing things down that God, you know, miracles or things that, or prophecies that people have spoken, you know, things that have happened or things that hadn't even happened, but just write it down so I can go back and recall and remember. Cause we do, facing the challenges in life today, we do forget, you know. So, it, you know, Israel, um, the Israelites, they weren't alone. It's, it's, it's in our, you know, DNA, unfortunately. We're, whatever we're focused on, that's the only thing we'll see. But if we put our focus on God and his word, if we put our focus on his word, 
we will know God more because he is his word. Jesus is the word. So then he will be in us. He will live in us. We will be breathing Jesus. When people see us, they will see him. And it's not just like we are losing ourselves. No, he will see Jesus through you, you know, in different unique ways. He got different unique gift, giftings, you know, the same gift, but in a different way, you know. So we're all important. That's all I got. This is my classmate, Mrs. Lisa. Good morning, everyone. Is that on? Yep. Um, I just, first of all, I'm so thankful to be here. So thank you so much for that. Um, Just having us and sitting here patiently listening to us as students teach you what we've learned. Um, You know, I had a, I had an experience this morning that I want to start with. So it's a little off of what um, I wanted to start with, but it was so God. And um, what I'm going to talk to you about is the love of God. And so this morning I got up extra early, um, called my husband before he left for church. And I usually sit in the stairwell and talk to him. And I don't normally go outside. There's like a little back where we can sit on two benches. And I don't normally go out there, but, you know, we didn't talk as long. I hung up and I just had this urge to go outside this morning. So I walked out there, got a cup of coffee, and there was a gentleman that was going out the door before me. And I could see he had a book in his hand and some papers, and I thought, um, maybe he wants some privacy, because I did, because I wanted to go over this, the my notes and the things the Lord had told me. So I said, excuse me, um, do you mind if I sit out on the bench next to you? I won't bother you. I have to look over some notes. And he said, oh, no, not at all. Come on out. So he sat in one bench, and I was on the bench beside him. And he said, what notes are you going to be studying? And I said, um, well, I'm, I'm in Bible college at Karis, and no, I'm in Bible college, and I'm going to go um, talk this morning. And he said, well, what Bible college? So I told him Karis Bible College. And he's like, I had friends that graduated there out in the Colorado campus. I've heard a lot about that. And uh, so he started to ask me questions. What's your story? What are you going to talk about? And I said, the love of God. And he said, really, the love of God? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, can you tell me a little bit? And I said, sure. (laughs) You know, and I wasn't going to bother him. And I'm like, okay, all right, so I can practice, right? That's what I'm thinking in the back of my mind. So, yeah, so I was sitting there, and um, I said, you know, because sometimes when you tell people that you're not sure if they believe like you, you're not, they might think you're wacky, a whack job, whatever, uh, Ohio terminology. And um, I thought, you know, I don't care. I'm representing Jesus, and I, and I know what he did. And I'm going to share this with this gentleman. And I said, actually, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I woke up early in the morning out of a dead sleep. And I tapped my husband on the shoulder. I go, Tom, Tom, I know what I'm supposed to talk about. And he's like, what, what, (laughs) what's going on? And I'm like, the love of God. I just had a dream and it was like Jesus was speaking to me. I didn't see him or anything, but when I woke up, I knew I'd had a conversation with them. Like I knew it. And I said, he was telling me 
that John 3.16, we read it, we read it, we read it, but we just read it. We don't really process how much he loves us and he wants me to tell people about his love. And, and I, so I was telling this gentleman, he's like, really? And I was like, yeah. And I couldn't quite tell what the look on his face was, but he was interested. And um, I said, yeah. And then I looked up the word loved in the Greek and, and I was explaining this to him and he said, um, okay, well, I hope you do really good on your speech and you're a really nice person. And I was like, thanks. So we sat there and I'm going over my notes and he started to read the book he brought out, which happened to be the Bible. And he was sitting there reading it and I don't know, about two or three minutes into me going over my notes, I w and I had told him, I said, I'm just a little nervous today and I'm not sure why. I just want to make sure that this is God speaking through me and it's not my flesh because my words won't touch anyone. It has to be him. And we're sleeping with people that we don't normally sleep in the same room with, you know, and we've been busy and pouring out. And I was just concerned that I really wanted to make sure it was Jesus and not me. And um, so anyway, I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to put it away. Just put it away. And so I was like, okay. And I put it away, but I wanted to keep reading. And that gentleman shut his book and he looked at me and he said, ma'am, what's your name? And I said, Lisa, what's your name? He said, John. And he said, can I pray with you? And I was like, oh my gosh, that would be so awesome. I would really appreciate that. So he moves over to his side of the bench and I move over on my side of the bench. And he said, can I put my hand on you? And I said, yes. And he puts my hand, his hand on my shoulder. And he begins to pray like a prayer I have never in my life experienced in words or in feeling. And it was this warm blanket of total peace that surrounded me. Total, utter, complete peace. And I'm like, it doesn't matter what I say. I love Jesus. And he even prayed this. Whatever you say, whether you deliver it the way you want to, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is going to make sure that whatever you're conveying, it's going to hit the people and the words that they hear are what he's going to hear because he can do anything. And he prayed uh, this amazing prayer and he was quoting Isaiah and um, it was absolutely beautiful. And he got done, and I just knew in my heart, I knew that he was so significant in God's kingdom. And I looked at him, and I said, John, thank you so much for what you just did. And I said, you know, I know in my heart you are so significant in the kingdom of God. And he just chuckled, just this little chuckle. And he kept looking up at the sky. He just kept looking up, up to his left. And he said, you know, I said, where are you from? And he never, I realized afterwards, he never answered that question. But he said, I'm on my way back from Mississippi where my son that I adopted is in a boarding school. And we went and we watched him in track and I was able to spend some time with them. And that in itself is a God story. And I said, yeah, there's a lot of God stories that people have. And he said, you know, the funny thing is, I wasn't going to stop here. We have a hotel up the road, but I knew that I was supposed to be here. And during this conversation, and actually during the prayer, I thought, 
is this, did God send an angel in disguise? Because it really felt like something I'd never experienced before. And I was here to talk about the love of God, which was from God in a dream that he gave me. And here he is, knowing that my flesh is nervous and scared, but my spirit man's like, no, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. Oh, but my knees are shaking and my hands are sweating. And what if I say it wrong? And what if I do this and I can't sleep well? And God's like, I gotcha. Gotcha, sister. So whether that was a divine appointment, I don't know. Or if I do know it was a divine appointment. But if that was an angel in disguise, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you what. He wants to meet each and every one of us right there. And he will. And he does. Just like Aunt Trené was just explaining with the dimes with Carrie Pickett. There's always something. We are each his favorite. You know, we are each uniquely formed. He created us fearfully and wonderfully made us, knit us in our mother's womb, knew everything about us, has a destiny. We are predestined in him. He has something so specific for us. And, um, oh, he's just, he's so amazing. So amazing. So I'm going to read to you. This is part of my dream back to what I was supposed to start with. So I really want you to listen to John 3, 16 through 17. Just really listen to the words because I think we're so used to hearing it that it doesn't impact us anymore. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send, this is 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Isn't that beautiful? So I looked up in the Greek, I looked up the definition of loved because love is skewed in our day and age and in this generation. People don't know what love is. And I had the honor and the privilege to go to Love Lady Rehab. And some of those girls, this one girl came up to me. Ugh. Just her eyes, there was just nothing there. So dull, just no light. She's like, I don't know what love is. It's like ever since that dream, John three sixteen, over and over, what is love? What's it look like? Well, the way the world shows love isn't love. It's not true love. And what Jesus did for us was true love. Greek definition is to love, to be full of goodwill and exhibit the same, to have a preference for Jacob, to have a preference for Bianca, to have a preference for each. And this is for each of us individually, you guys. Wish well to, regard the welfare of, to take pleasure in, Prize it above other things. Be unwilling to abandon it or do without it. He doesn't want to do without it, us. He, he will never abandon us. The word tells us he will never forsake us ever, ever, no matter what we do. There's, I believe some of the people that are in prisons and jails probably have the biggest call of destiny on their lives. And the enemy comes in with thoughts and lies and people and circumstances and things that our flesh are weak in. And he tempts us and he pulls us away from God. But he made us in his image. We have all authority over the enemy in any and all circumstances and any and all things that are not of God. We have authority over that because of what Jesus did. Um, oh, it's just, I could just, oh, just, he's so amazing. Yeah, let me, let me find this verse here, my, all my papers, because I didn't get to. 
me one second, please. Right here. Um, when we think about things, you guys, he has given us free will to have our own thoughts. So the enemy can attack us with fiery darts, and we have a choice to think God thoughts or a choice to think on what's coming at us, right? We can replace that. So when the enemy comes at you with something that's not godly or a temptation, you have authority over that to put that back in its place. You speak the word of God. The word of God is the sword. All of the armor of God that he has given us is a defensive mechanism, right? The helmet, the breastplate, the shoes, the belt, all of it is defensive. He gave us one thing to fight with. And if we do not use the word of God to fight, what do we have? You know what I mean? Those fiery darts are going to come at us. They're going to wear down our armor. They're going to penetrate us. But when we speak the word, we combat it. We put it back in its place where it belongs. No, I have authority because of what Jesus did on that cross for me. Because of his blood, because of who he is, I have authority. And I'm going to take it and I'm going to walk it out. And I'm going to go and I'm going to take things back from the enemy's kingdom that he stole. Because he doesn't have any right. And when those thoughts come to us, you guys, this is one of my favorite verses. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Finally believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your hearts. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things in daily life and the God who is the source of peace and well-being will will it says will be with you the word of God can't lie so it doesn't matter what you see what you think what you feel the word of God is the truth above all things it's the truth and we have authority to speak to it you know what I mean to that situation and in Isaiah, you will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. Trust confidently in the Lord forever. He is your fortress, your shield, your banner. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock, the rock of ages. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. We hear that all the time, but he is. And he is a God of love. And he loves each and every one of you. And he has a destiny. And he has a plan for your life. And when you get in his word, it changes the soil in our heart. And I love gardening. And that was something that was so amazing that happened at um, Love Lady even when I was there. I was out in the yard, my journey with the Lord, like I was really lost at one time. I was really lost. And so I started this journey with the Lord and I ended up in Bible college of all things. It's just amazing. But he was talking to me about the power of a seed. And I was actually outside planting stuff. And I was just talking to him in my head. And it's like, we plant a seed, okay? Good or bad. A God thought or not. It gets planted. So you start to think on it, 
over and over and over what happens in the natural. Whatever that fertilizer is in our heart or in the the garden that we're at, that fertilizer pops that seed open. It's the sun, the rain, um, you know, the, the type of fertilizer that's in soil. That seed pops open and it can thrive or it can die depending on if the soil is right. If we're in the word of God, our heart soil is right where it needs to be. And we have the word to fight against, to take out that weed and hack it off, or we can let it grow. And if we don't have enough of the word of God or the love of God in us to understand who he is and what he thinks of us, you know, that's where we can get off track. So those girls, all three of them that sat with me at the Love Lady Center, I was like, what do you guys like to do? They all like to garden. And I was like, what in the world? And um, so I began to talk to them about the power of a thought. And I explained that. How when that thought comes to us, we need to stop and we need to think, is that a godly thought? And if it isn't, or if it's tempting us away from God or his word, we need to hack it off, get rid of it, start to speak the word to it. And you know, just like healing and stuff, it's the power of a seed. That seed's planted by the word. Okay, I know what it says. It's head knowledge. I need it to become heart, knowledge, and a revelation, right? So you begin to read the word of God, and it just changes things in us, and it begins to grow that stem and the leaves, and all of a sudden, it brings forth fruit, right? And that's how our lives are, and that is the power that we have, all because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, He's so good, and he loves us so much. And um, I'm just, thank you for letting us be here and for listening. And um, it was just an honor. <laughs> we love you guys. Well, thank you, Miss Lisa, Miss Antrenay. You know, <clears throat> their message is different, but they were the same. You ever wondered... Uh, 1992 into the 94 we was in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, going to Rama, and uh, I thought, well, I wonder what kind of people go to Bible school. <laughs> I thought, well, if you go to Bible school, God must. I thought somehow God didn't filter me through the right thing, and I thought people went to Bible school people who was real spiritual had it all together. That's what we call. It. Then I went to school for the first week, and I thought, and then I said, that's not right. <laughs> we didn't hardly get through orientation. And Brother Hagen back then, he was, uh, we, we were fortunate to have Brother Hagen back then. And I remember one class, he was sitting, I was sitting there where Brother Jacob was, and he was out there. You know, Brother Hagen could teach, and he'd get on these rabbit trails, and the rabbit trails was awesome. And you would think that he would forget his topic. And everyone, half of his age, even teenagers, would forget what he said. But he, he would say, now, where was I? And we'd go, ah, <laughs> at any age. And he'd come right back to the story. So he'd come out there teaching one day, and he was in his stories, you know. And he, and, and he was teaching and did like this, you know. And he just stood there for three or four minutes. And I thought, I won't wash that shoulder for at least two or three months. <laughs> but I did use deodorant, you know, just to wash the top of it. But people go to Bible school with all kind of issues. Sometimes that's, sometimes that's where they go to backslide. Easiest place in the world to backslide is Bible school. Because you can get lost in the crowd. 
So I went to church about this size, going to Bible school, then I went and then go into an auditorium of 4,500 to 55,000 people, and they don't even know you're there. I remember coming home the first time, you know, from Bible school, used to Raymond's church being so huge in the balcony, and, you know, and they tried to warn this, you know, when you leave here, I mean, this is like you've been in an incubator. But it won't be quite like this when you leave here, because on Sunday morning, you know, we'd be up in the balcony because all, all of us had to go to work just, you know, uh, I did. Every Sunday I'd be there by 1 o'clock. So I had to get there and you know, get, gather up kids and all that, run home, get chained, get the run, get on the expressway, go to work, whatever. But uh, they start Sunday morning and, the, you know, the uh, what was the song they played? Majesty. Y'all remember the song Majesty? And there was, a, uh, like I said, the room held 4,500 people. Sometimes they put seats out with 6,000 people in the sanctuary and that orchestra pit. And Ramah Stage is as big as my whole building. This, this, this building is 125 foot this way and 50 foot this way. That was just their stage. And so they had an orchestra pit, you know, like with uh, 50 to 70 people and they had drums and, you know, they had strings and they had, you know, had, had quite an orchestra in the choir back there on the back, 200 people. And they said, it won't be like that. You know, you won't start that way. And they were right. They were right. But I remember going home for the first time you know, from Bible school and the pastor always speak, and I was I was nervous in Bible school because when you're going to Bible school, you know, you're taking so many classes. It's like being on a subway train. It's like you go in there, you take you take one lesson, you like gather that up, then you got to, you got novices, you got a new subject. It's like okay, it's not like you got time to study these subjects out. You know, it's like you're taking the cliff notes, and it's busy. And everyone's life's different. We had two jobs, so we left there, and we had we had three kids. We didn't know how we could go to school with three kids, but we couldn't by, by the grace of God. Then we came home with four, and I was really upset with my wife, you know, how she, you know, that she would have a kid while we was in Bible school. So, so Christian went to, she didn't go to first year, Raymond, she, she just went to second year. <laughs> And Michelle wanted to quit because she was pregnant and, you know, morning sickness and all that. And we, we only had minutes to go from, you know, put the other kids in the daycare in the church. And then you had to be down at the Rickamora Auditorium down there. And it was like a long ways off, long ways off. And you, we would literally have to run, but you're not supposed to run on campus. But there's no way to check your kids in at daycare and then be down at RMAI for your first class unless you run. And someone said, did you ever meet Brother Hagin? I said, I, sadly, I did. I was running, and he was coming around the back of the building, and I was coming this way because I knew I was going to be late for work. Because the rule is, if Brother Hake is teaching third class and the bell rings, you don't, it don't matter if the bell rings. You sit there until he's through, and, and rightfully so. But my boss didn't care about Brother Hagin. <laughs> so I, I was running. You know, a couple, I was in a fast trot, and, he was, and I, I met him just like this and knocked the Bible out of his hands. And I thought, oh, God, let the earth open and swallow me up. It just let me be gone forever. And uh, he said, I said, oh, Brother Hagin, I'm so, I'm so great to meet you. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I didn't go. I wasn't Catholic. But anyway, I just, and he says, well, you, you need to slow it down some. I said, yes, sir. I'm, I'm so sorry. Thank you so much. God bless. Oh, it's going to you. <laughs> and uh, so I went home to speak. And I got so used to Raymond's Auditorium, thousands of people, and I went home to my little church, you know, my, and, and the auditorium, I was like, 
oh my gosh, this is like a broom closet. Are, are they like, is this where the custodians be? Or you know, just like <laughs> my per, my perspective had changed. But what happened this morning was God brought us back to foundation. Nothing happens if if the foundation is not right there of love. And we never come to a place of rest. And a lot of people know about the love of God, but like Aunt Janice said, but they, but they don't, they know about him, but they, they, haven't, they don't know him yet. It's like I always said, there's, these are pillars, right, that hold up this building. You just don't see it because they sheet rocked around those metal buildings. But like if you have a porch and it has two columns on it, and sometimes we learned a whole lot, word people learn a whole lot of stuff. They, know, they, know, they can quote a lot of scriptures. One column is the promises of God. We need to know those things. They're important. But the other column should be, we should know about the one who promised it. A lot of times what we just know is what he promised. We're, we're, we've, been, we've been taught very well on the, the promises of God, but not so much on the one who made the promise. And without that intimacy, you can go through years and decades of you know, insecurities. As things will happen in your life, and you'll just, you, you can be lost in it. And people say, well, God loves you. Well, I, I, I know he does. I know he does. Because, see, not everybody had Andrew Wallace's experience about the love of God that, you know, lasted for that long. Because when that came off of him, he didn't know what to do for a while. You know, it's like someone, I guess, you know, I never did drugs that way. But, you know, I've had people tell me, you know, when they're doing certain things, they'd be like a euphoria of a high that lasted for 30 seconds to a minute. But, you know, when it was all over, you, your down was just as bad as you're up or worse. But when, when we're secure in the love of God as a foundation, it doesn't matter what your day's bringing. And you'll actually come to a place of rest. R- rest is a good place. Well, both you ladies were speaking uh, I don't know why, but I, I and uh, but it has to do also with what you're speaking. But he says, uh, you, "You know what I'm doing right now." I said, "What? What are you doing?" He, he used the word restoration. He says, "But I'm I'm bringing rest to your nation." I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "People like these two young ladies right here." He said. Uh, you don't really know him. I said, well, no, no, so I don't, I don't really know him. He said, uh, you know the parable of sower. I said, I do. He says, these two are the good ground. He said, you know about the others? I said, yes, sir. He said, but these, these, these are the good ground. That they went and they took the seed. That they went, you know, you know going to Bible school is not, is not always that easy. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you had a life before you got there. I mean, you're going to not do this to do that. But uh, he said, I have seeded them and seeded them and seeded them. And he says, and he says, and the harvest, the harvest is going to be so amazing. They, they, they don't even realize how big the harvest is going to be. They have no idea. Praise the Lord. Amen. And, and, and this, I think this is okay because, like you said, when you're from out of town, you said, crank the car, honey, we're gone. I'll never have to see them again. But God is doing something very special, Antoinette, with your children right now. He's giving them something that they need. Uh, and, and you know what you want for them, but he's giving them all that and more. Especially something to do with a middle child, number three. I don't know what number three is. A girl, that's, you know. 
well, I knew it was a girl. He told me that, but I, don't, I mean, it's none of my business. What, but he's doing a special thing in all of them, especially in her heart. How old is she? She's six. Watch, watch what she does when she becomes older. Huh? Yeah, you, you, and not that he's not doing with the rest of them, but, but he, he specifically told me about the third child. He says it's a girl. He said, but watch what I would do with her. Wow, awesome. And you guys are amazing. You, you really are. Because um, you're, 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 you've been on this journey, and now the journey's taking a new turn. And I, and I just see everything's already, and, and you know this, we all know this, but I just see God so much has already went ahead of you. You know, it's just like God really knows what you're going to eat for lunch November the 5th. <laughs> have you thought about have, 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 have anyone planned your menu out through November yet but the Lord really knows what you're going to eat whether it's good for you or not you know and I believe in those cookies and ice cream that's you know how do you believe God will give us the desires of our heart everybody in my church knows this but I just ask the Lord just for you know you know, you know what's heaven to me is I, I'm believing for I'm kind of partial to ice cream but I've, I've had to step off of it a whole lot but then I step back on. But uh, <laughs> if I if I was addicted to thing, you know, when you go to Publix, you know, you go by the coolers, the light comes on. So when I go through, I'm just kind of like, she said, "Well, you want to get a, you want to get one?" I said, "Yeah." So I, she said, "Well, you just pick it out." I'm like, and the lights. I'm like, <sighs> I'm like going to the zoo, and you know, you see you see the tiger and the lion going back and forth. And I said, "But it's but if if you buy three, you get one free." <laughs> like this one and this one, this one, this one, and chocolate chip cookies—they're a well-rounded meal. Well-rounded. But anyway, I, I just see the Lord really—he's already provided things and and set it up. So when you, when you make the transition, that's where it always is—is is, is transition. When the Lord told us to go to Ramah, we did, we didn't have any way of knowing how to do that. I, with my parents, owned a floor covering store, and I had to, and I had to say goodbye to that. And they, they weren't going to be the store wasn't going to be supporting me, so we had the summer to work. And I got I got stayed in the same business because that's what I knew. And so we, I thought, well, yeah, I've owned a store, so I know what that's like. I ain't got to run it, so I bet I'll just sell a bunch of floor covering, and that's God's just going to bless me over the summer for enough money for my labor for two three months to pay for Bible school. Not so much. And we had a phone call, and the person that um, Michelle's dad's, I guess we'd call her fiance at the time, which we knew her, but we didn't know her that well. She called us and said, "May I meet y'all for lunch? I know y'all going to Oklahoma." And we said, uh, "Okay." I mean, you know, there was a relationship there, but it was not like someone we knew real well. And we we met her. She owned a restaurant, and she says. She bought all the kids, you know, lunch, and she says, y'all going to Bible school? I said, we're going. She said, can I ask you a personal question? I said, sure. She said, uh, have you already paid for it? I says, no. She says, uh, do you know how you're going to pay for it? I said, no, but we're leaving in June. 
to go to Oklahoma and I've turned the store over to someone else and I'm just believing to have a really good two months before school starts, you know, at least to have the, the first payment you, you have to make for both of us. Because I told the Lord I'm not going to Bible school unless she does. I said, because I'm not going, and there's nothing wrong if you do it the other way, but I just said, if she don't go, I don't go. Because I'm not, I'm not going to come home and tell stories. Because you can't quite tell what happens, you know, in the room and be the same experience. But there wasn't no way for me to do that, you know, because I was, I was leaving that to go work at a job at one o'clock. They don't pay that much. You say you can come in at one. If it's minimum wage to whatever it was, you know, working at the mall, wherever you do. And so uh, she said, she said, how much is it? And I told her, and, and she says, well, can I pay for that? I said, pay for what? She said, uh, can I pay for y'all's tuition? And I said, all of it? She says, uh-huh. And then she says, how many, how many years are you going? I said, two. She said, can I pay for the next year? And I said, really? And we, we, we owned, uh, y'all remember, I guess they still make them. We had a conversion van. Don't, they don't make them anymore, you know, the high rise. And and we, we was making payments on that. It was more in our house. We, I mean, our, our, our van was nicer than our house. And I didn't know how I was going to pay for that. So I sold it, but I, I needed a vehicle to go in. And I had no vehicle to go in. I, mean, I, I know to go, but I have no way to go. I have, you know, I know to go, but I don't know how to go. And I knew, I learned that you don't write faith checks. Some people didn't learn it, and they, but they did learn it afterwards. <laughs> so we was, a, we was sitting there, and we went to get acquainted weekend in April. And uh, we already knew we were supposed to go, but I was going to go check it out, go see if we, God really you know, knew what he was doing. And uh, so we were there at Get Acquainted Week in April of 92. And uh, Keith Moore was at the piano. He was not He was still teaching back then. And he said, some of y'all have to make decisions tonight. The Lord's going to speak to you tonight. And we needed so many things, you know, house, how, where we're going to live, where am I going to work, all these things. I mean, how am I, I going to find a job? I'm 650 miles away. I can't run back and forth and find jobs and run a store back home and, and kids, and I mean, it just didn't make, you know, it's, so the last thing I knew I needed was a vehicle, but I, I, had, I had so many things that I needed, I, I just didn't even tell the Lord about the vehicle, because it was just like, Brother Hagin used to say it was like a clothesline, and the first house that they ever had that wasn't a parsonage, he said, I'm, I got all my faith just believing God for our own house and not a parsonage. And Miss Aretha, his wife, said, she said, well, I want new drapes. He says, Aretha, I love you, but I can't believe for drapes on top of what I'm believing for. He says, because if you put your drapes on my clothesline, everything's going down. <laughs> this is Brother Hagin. She says, so he says, you believe for the drapes, I'll believe for the house. He says, the story is we got both of them. But he said, but I, I was in peace at this, but I couldn't hang any drapes on my faith line. So I couldn't hang the, the vehicle because it was, it was important. But, uh, you know, where am I going to work? How am I going to pay for rent? Rent was more then than it was here, and I'm working part-time. Does that make sense? Your bills are more, and you're working part-time. <clears throat> and from the business, I deal with math, so I did it, and I said, that don't work, you know. That don't work. And uh, they were all excited, you know. They, was, they had a big thing at Raymond that weekend, praise and worship. They said, we're going to Raymond. I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. Uh, Y'all going to get there and stay? I mean, how you, we can get there. How you going to stay there? You know, I knew a little bit about faith and speaking the word. So when uh, 
on the way when we sat there on Saturday night, and Keith Moore was at the piano, and all of a sudden I heard the Lord speak to me. To me, it was audible. It wasn't, but I mean, there was fifteen hundred people in the room probably, and uh, and I heard the Lord speak to me. Well, Matt and G was there, but they was on the other side, and Michelle was here. And I don't know anybody else around us. And I heard the Lord say, he said, thank me for the vehicle I'm going to give you. And I looked around, and I said, did you say something? During praise and worship, she said, no. And I said, okay. So I go back to praise and worship, and he said, he told me three times. I looked around, I looked behind me, and I thought, who's messing with me? And I heard three times, and I, and I thought, all of a sudden, I thought about Eli and Samuel and all that. I thought, which one am I? He said, well, you're definitely you're not the prophet, obviously. <laughs> and I said, are you speaking to me? He says, he says, I told you to thank you for the vehicle I'm going to give you. And I said, can I, well, then, if that's you, can I ask you what kind of vehicle that is? And all of a sudden, never happened before since, I saw this picture, like in a circle, and I saw this Toyota Sienna van. And I said, that's my pastor's van. And he's got it for sale. He says, he's going to give it to you, but you say nothing to him. Just tell your wife. You say nothing about it. So we went home, and we got about three weeks from going to Ramah and uh, leaving. And we had one vehicle, but we had to have two. And uh, we had church on Sunday. And we had a Raymond grad spoke, so the pastor was off that day. And he came to the store on Monday. And he says, you got time to go eat breakfast with me? I said, sure. So we went to you know, get a, something to eat for breakfast. And he said, you know, yesterday when we had the guy speaking, he says, I, I had a little time to rest. He said, between Sunday morning and Sunday night, he said, I was, I was actually taking a little nap in my recliner. And he says, the Lord spoke to me about something. I said, what did he tell you? If I, he says, well, you know, I got my minivan for sale. I said, yes, sir. He said, but the Lord told me not to sell it. I'm supposed to not, don't sell it, sow it. He, he says, well, what, what would I do? He says, you'll sow it to Eric and Michelle. They need it to go to Bible school. He says, well, you know, we were going to do this with that money. And I said, well, pastor, he said, well, hang on. He said, well, I'll do it. He said, but you'll have to tell my wife. And if she does it, then we'll be in agreement. He said, so I just sit there quiet. And about five minutes later, she came over. She said, hey, Bobby. She says, uh, how long has that van been for sale? She said, about two months. She said, I got the weirdest feeling that we're not supposed to sell it. We're supposed to give it. He says, he says to who? She says, I keep on hearing it and we're supposed to give it to Eric and Michelle. He says, well, that's what the Lord already told me. She said, well, you better get with it. So he, he brought the keys over. He said, but on one condition that you'll drive me back home because it's 20 miles west. So I'm, not, I'm a great driver. So I had the vehicle. Then I had the money to go to Bible school. But it, it, it was just all by faith. And you've already, you've already walked all that out, but it's just, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as people come and help you do what you're going to do. So praise God. God is good. We want to be able to sow in to these guys. And so we're going to give you an offering envelope if you want to be a part of that. Then uh, just write your check to the church, if you will. And then we will send forth to them. Is this okay? I don't get in trouble, do I? Okay.
know, I've had people do that for years, years and say, well, you know, we're not asking. I know you were just asking, you know, about them coming. I said, I, I just don't, I don't know how to do that. I, I, I don't know how to have a, a guest minister, and I don't care if they're Bible. I, I don't know. I don't know how to do that, that, that we don't do something. I just, so I told the people here, I said, if it's not in your heart, don't do anything. But I don't know how to not do anything. I never took a class on do nothing when you hear the word. Do, do absolutely nothing. Glory to God. Seems like the last two years we, we've, we have invested uh, a lot in, into missions, and uh, more than we ever have before, a lot into uh, missions and outreach. Uh, of course, last year was building the church and the home in West Liberia. And I don't know where the school is going to be, but it may not be, it may not be anywhere close to where he is. Liberia, it's not a very big country. It's probably pretty close. Yeah, and that's that was one of the things that he really wants to, to have a, a school because there, most of the kids, especially the females, aren't allowed to to go to school. And uh, and he has a daughter, so that's what they're. Uh, he owns some land. Uh, he bought all of his years paid for his land, but in you know West Liberia, when you when you want to take a wife, then you go to your parents and you have to pay a dowry for your wife. So he uh, it took all the money he had saved to give a dowry to her father for her. And so um, we the land that he had, there was enough room to build a uh, a church and a home for about. $35,000 for both. A very simple home. But, you know, where they were in was not, it was in bad, bad shape. In flood zones, and they would, water would come in, be up to about here, then sometimes have pneumonia and all kind of things. So uh, um, he's doing well. He's been pastoring four or five months. Runs anywhere from 105 to 120. Needs some more chairs. He said, I don't have nowhere to put people at. He said he was on a Zoom call last week uh, with Karis. I've been trying to get him hooked up there, but doesn't have any internet worth 15 cents, so I'm not going to be able to do it that way. He says, I think I understand Karis now. I thought, well, not so much, but anyway. He just <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking to set a big package of books and maybe study guides and some DVDs and uh, be able to, you know, really establish a pastor who's already up and going. We've been mentoring him, uh, when I say we, that's mostly me, for two years on Messenger at about four hours a week. Sunday guard, Joe. It's, it's a lot longer than that, but that's just, <laughs> it's way longer than that. Yeah, but he's he's there in Liberia, so he's he watches every service. So we're six hours. The next week, time back, we'll go back to five. So he's always sending me the picture of the, of the service before I, before I wake up. So, amen. Y'all got your seed ready? You happy about it? Not going to rob God? <laughs> How could you rob him? <laughs> hold him up. This is a hold up, God. The church I grew up in, when we really need something big to happen, we they said to, we're going to meet and pray, and we're going to bombard the gates of heaven. Everybody ever went to that church growing up? We're going to bombard the gates of heaven. 
and I don't know what we was going to do we got on the other side. It was like a bunch of Navy SEALs. I saw them going over the Pearl Gate. You know, it's like, where's God at? And it's like, what, what you, I mean, you happy or you after him or what you going to do? So we, we're going to keep our eyes open. Talk to your seed right now. See, every seed, all it, all it knows how to do, what we're doing is we're, is we're spending faith. You mentioned Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is. I had someone write me years ago and says, you're just like the rest of them folks. Especially from Ramey said, I said, what is that? Okay. And uh, I says, he says, you cannot tell people that now faith is. Because if you look in the Bible, the word now is italicized, which is not in the, not in the original writing. So you cannot tell people it's now. I said, okay, okay. It, you're, you're right. It absolutely is italicized. And I said, but have you got your Bible in front of you? I'm not an English major. And he says, I do. I said, I said, which one you got? I messed with him. I said, I got the King Jimmy. He said, the what? I said, King James. And I said, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I said, I'm going to take the now away. He says, faith is. I says, what's is? He says, well, it'd be. I said, huh? Go ahead. Well, faith what? I said, this is. This is Alabama colloquial redneck. Faith is a right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, if faith if something is, it is now. So that seed that you're sowing, all we're doing, all God's looking for is a transaction of faith. Right? The seed knows what to do. I mean, it, it, it just grows effort, effortlessly after you plant it. How many ever had to plant weeds before or Johnson grass? If, if you're from the south, anyone ever had to plant kudzu? No, it just comes up. So this seed is going into the ground right now. Y'all go ahead and plant your seed in Jesus' name. Just see you're planting the seed. It's going into very good ground here. And uh, to assist, to help, to bless uh, people who is students, who, who are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, whose words will go around the world. The words that they spoke today went, went to about 40 different countries today. So we just believe that word is changing people's lives. In the name of Jesus, Father, we bless this seed. We thank you, Father God, that as a sown, it's sown into good ground. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing upon uh, Miss Lisa, Miss Antrone, Father God, that you're meeting all the needs of their home, their family. We thank you, Lord, that, that uh, the, the abundance of the call on their life has ordained fruit, good fruit, much fruit. And I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that lives are being changed. And we just thank you, Lord, for them and their obedience to you and to come to bless us this morning. We thank you for them, Father. We bless you in the name of Jesus. We call the seed blessed. Amen. If you'll receive that. Don't forget, change your time on Saturday night, and um, we'll spring forward. All right, you're dismissed.